Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the AAI podcast. I'm Jason Sylvester, aka Diogenes of Mayberry. And today we have one of our new board members and the regional director for Australia, Stella Thomas, who is a also a board member of the Rationalist Society of Australia. And she's here to talk about uh, the issues that are facing them down under. So Stella, thank you for joining us today and welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, it's good to be here. We've got a range of issues and I quite, don't quite know where to start. <laughs> okay, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Rationalist Society and what, uh, what you guys focus on? Um, Rationalist Society is uh, about, it's been around since 1906. And as an organisation, it's about bringing um, reason to policy. So we um, campaign and lobby government on making sure laws are based on sort of science and evidence and based on reason. Um, and it's very much about having a secular approach and to ensure that um, uh, we have freedom of religion, but we also have freedom from religion. Okay. And you, um, you mentioned offline, you mentioned that uh, you're not an, an atheist organisation. You are very much a secular organisation and that one of your patrons is actually a Christian. Uh, absolutely. Um, so we have one of our patrons is a former High Court judge, uh, Michael Kirby, um, he's an Anglican and he's very much supports the idea of secularism as a way to protect everybody in society, to protect religious people for their, to have their rights to belief, whichever religion that might be, and also to protect those that have non-belief. Um, I guess the key underlying issue is that um, we all should be free to believe whichever we want as long as we don't cause harm to others and also... Um, when it comes to laws and schools, hospitals, institutions, um, if they're of a secular nature, it can be inclusive to everybody without sort of favouring or privileging one over the other. Um, and then in Australia, you've, we've got a lot of religious privilege. Um, we currently have religious schools that are free to fire a teacher just because they've come out as sort of homosexual and... Um, there's also, um, we have a uh, government, a federally funded chaplaincy program. So they put Christian chaplains in public schools. So it sort of prevents our public schools from being truly secular. Um, and that program has been since about 2006 and they've spent over a billion dollars. And so we're, we as an organisation um, or many organisations in Australia and individuals are sort of lobbying to get the chaplaincy program replaced with a secular welfare or support worker program. Um, some of the other issues that we've got in Australia would be um, coming up, uh, there's a religious discrimination bill proposed, which seems to have come off the back of when we had marriage equality pass. We... Um, after uh, it was sort of like a, I guess, certain politicians made promises to certain church organisations that they'd have this religious discrimination bill to protect their rights to, or for religious people to be able to discriminate. And that could be something like 
it, as proposed that if you were to go into a chemist, the chemist could say that they are not going to prescribe um, contraception because it's against their belief system. So that's another area that we need to fight um, to try and prevent that bill from passing. And that, that bill is currently on the floor or it's kind of been debated? Um, thanks to COVID, it keeps getting shelved. But so, so it's not actively up for, for debate right now? Um, it's close to, like, it, it's sort of, it's, a, it's, it's, we're never quite sure when they're going to put it up, so we've got to be prepared to um, bring awareness. Um, we do have a campaign called Don't Divide Us, and there's a lot of organisations that are backing that to try and, you know, promote the fact that this is a divisive policy. Um, it's... You know, we've, we've worked really hard in Australia to get anti-discrimination um, anti laws and this policy just overrides rides that. So where people sort of had, well, we were preventing discrimination, this is uh, a policy that will look to create discrimination, which is seems very much a backward step. Would, uh, would your courts then strike it down as unconstitutional if it were to pass? Um, I'm not probably technically, um, I don't probably have enough technical um, understanding to know that. Um, but from what I understand, I think it can override state legislation. I'm not quite sure, I think. And um, quite a lot of other legislation, it becomes a more superior document. Um, so that's quite concerning. What's, what is, do you have an idea of the, the breakdown of your parliament and like, is there, are there a lot of evangelicals in your or religious people in parliament that would be likely to vote this in, or do you think it probably has a greater chance of dying? Um, I think we are we're we're seriously concerned that it that it has a lot of support. Um, particularly, we have a liberal government in at the moment, and they are particularly conservative in relation to these issues, and um, have made promises. Ver publicly that they're going to bring this bill in. So um, we're now seeing movement from other groups saying, you need to keep to your promise and you need to bring this bill in. So certain religious groups are saying, trying to hold the government accountable to their promise. So it is a concern because they promised to do it and um, they might potentially try and get it in. So we need to sort of bring an awareness. Um, another thing recently in Australia is we've had the Census 21 campaign and we had our census probably about a week or so ago. Um, and there's a real bias in the religion question, although it's an optional question. It's the question asks, um, what is your religion? So that there sort of presumes you have a religion. It's also in the context of other questions around um, people's cultural backgrounds. So it leans people towards, I guess, maybe putting in the religion of their parents or grandparents. And so we ran a campaign to say this question is not about um, a cultural question. This question is about, you know, effectively, are you practising a religion? Um, and the other key thing is to recognise that when you do give that information to the government, that it's used for the purpose of um, creating huge amounts of tax funding to the churches. Um, it also supports laws like the Religious Discrimination Bill, um, so it's really important to to be honest. I mean, if you are a practicing religious person, then put that down if if you wish. But um, but not just to sort of I guess give them the cultural um, 
uh, you know, they get numbers increasing because people tick it for cultural reasons when they're actually not religious themselves. So they might not necessarily support all those religious privileges and funding and laws that come with it. So, and that one of the good things with that campaign is we ran it, or um, in Australia there were about, I think it's something like six organisations that were, I guess you'd call them free, free thought groups um, and secular groups that got together and uh, all communicated and shared um, sort of uh, funding and ideas and um, correspondence to promote that campaign. So it was really good to see um, that kind of unity from so many different organisations. I kind of think when you look at uh, the power of the churches, it's kind of, you kind of wonder how they achieve what they do, but they're kind of herding sheep, <laughs> people that are, are happy to follow and comply. And I think other organisations, it's a little bit like herding cats, but I think I've seen a lot of change in recent years where they are getting together on these issues that are commonality and where we get to connect on our sort of inner humanity, um, finding those things that, um, that we all share, those inner values. And, and I, um, yeah, so. Okay. Is, 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 I would assume, I'm guessing, Anglicanism is probably the, the largest denomination in Australia, or do you, do you no, have those No, I think it's Catholicism. Catholicism? Okay. I, I'm pretty sure it's Catholicism. So we have, yeah, um, a lot, we have a lot of Catholic schools here, and, um, but it's quite broken down, actually. There's, there's quite a, a number of um, different denominations. Okay. Is, is there a, like in the U.S., they have the separation of church and state? It, it sounds like that's not a principle uh, that's adhered to in Australia, that there seems to be a blending of, of the two there. We, I think in principle, we do have a separation of church and state. We have uh, something called Section 116, which... I can't quote right now, but it is along the lines of separating church and state. But in practice, it's quite different. For example, we do have um, our parliament opens with Christian prayers, so Christian prayer ritual. Um, and there's been a lot of movements to try and ask for it to be more inclusive because you do have parliamentarians that or politicians that are, are stepping out at a time when they're meant to be uniting. So I think that, you know, we really need to look at moving towards having, you know, like a, a uniting pledge that we all, they all stand together and say, you know, we're here to serve the people and we'll do it with the best of our integrity and with respect and um, that type of thing. But we still have Christian prayers. Um, so, I mean, that significantly privileges the church at a time sure. when, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's, that's rather revelatory i didn't realize that was still going on in australia in the 21st century so yeah. it's, it's definitely federal and it's yeah. definitely all state governments so each individual state do it and with councils it's a bit mixed where i am in south australia we have and i'm thinking it was about 19 metropolitan councils and of those i think about um 11 pray so some don't um I did a bit of lobbying on that going back a few years ago and did a bit of a um, survey of the local councils. So some of them have changed a little bit, but it's still very slow. It's still very much, you know, there's quite a few councillors that, that across the country that will sit out during the prayer. 
which I find sort of astounding. Like they're, they're there to do work for the community. And, and I know of other councillors that I've spoken to that have um, selectively sat out but selectively not sat out because then they're sort of frowned upon and they can't get on with the rest of their work. So it just shows how divisive it really is that they have to sort of just not even take the option of sitting out. They want to stay in because they've got to work for their community and in order to work for their community, they have to sort of comply with the prayer, the Christian prayer. And um, I think, you know, and there's people in there with other religions as well, like all sorts of from sort of Hindu, Islam, um, Buddhism and a wide range not just the non-belief, so, So it's, yeah. it's rather exclusionary and, and, and quite Absolutely. elitist of the Christians to think they're privileged like this. So I, I would yeah. imagine this is an issue that's, uh, I imagine quite a few of the groups, secular groups in Australia, this is probably a hot-button issue for quite a few of them. It, it absolutely is. And only recently, maybe about a week or two ago, we had an MP in Victoria, um, Fiona Patton, who, if I understand, if I remember correctly, She's got a commitment from the current government there that if they get in next time, that they, I think they're going to review or possibly remove the Christian prayer. So that's quite significant. Um, it still stands to see whether that actually happens. Um, but, you know, that was a, a, and that was all that, that lobbying came from the perspective of we need to be more inclusive. We need to find something that, you know, is going to include all, all members of parliament and the community. Um, that you're working for. So, and and these politicians don't see the the disconnect between what they're doing and and how they're basically disenfranchising all of their constituents who are not practicing Catholic or practicing Christians. Yeah, I think it comes down to that um, that common thread. I think you probably see globally where um, you need to have Christianity to be able to have some form of of morals or something. It's almost like they feel like they've got a monopoly over that. Um, and I think um, what's important, I guess, for a lot of people is, I know for myself, um, my humanity comes from within. And I think we can we can find that commonality between um, anyone that's um, the whole of society. You, you, well, hopefully most people in society, you can find a common thread where we sort of, agree on basic morals that can come from within yourself. It doesn't have to come from a higher power. Some people may need that, but many people don't. Um, and so there's that argument put forward that, oh, we, we can't drop the prayer because we won't have any moral guidance. <laughs> I find that just sort of... Somebody, I think it was Ray Comfort in the US, somebody had, he was on a a show and somebody asked him that question and he says, well, so the only thing stopping you from raping and killing is the fact that you're, you fear eternal damnation. He said, yes. So then you're a psychopath, you know, you, yeah. have, no, you have no moral center of your, of your own. So. Yeah, uh, it's a, yeah, exactly. So it's like, Oh, so sorry. You couldn't work out that it was wrong all by yourself. You know, like it's so if, if they need that, then, you know, I, I certainly won't be interested in taking their religion away from them if that's what's protecting them from killing me. But um <laughs> Well, a lot of religious people see death, you know, as negotiable anyways. You know, you've you've blasphemed against my religion. There's nothing stopping me from killing you anyway. So it's yeah. um, Stephen Picker makes that point in his book Enlightenment Now that speaking, the religion criticizes moral relativism, but who's more morally relativistic, relativistic than religions who will condone yeah. any sorts of atrocity? So, yeah. Oh, okay. 
So um, what other issues are you were you working on there in Australia? Um, I think I, I did briefly mention the chaplaincy program. So that's yes. been going for decades and, oh, not, sorry, decades, uh, since 2006. Um, so that's sort of one key area. There's a religious discrimination bill, um, the prayer in government. Um, I think, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm just trying to, I, I, trying to remember all there are a number of um other issues but they're just not coming to me at the moment <laughs> okay uh, anything um, in particular the rational society is 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 currently focused on well they have campaigns on all those organize on all those um different programs at the moment um oh we did have something recently in south australia with the uh the pastafarians and the church of the flying spaghetti monster uh, we have. I was, I was just going to bring that up. That, oh, uh, that there I, saw you go. That in, I saw that in the news recently that they were they were denied tax exempt status. I believe was the ruling against them. Yeah, I'm not sure of the finer detail, but basically, um, one of our tribunals here ruled that they were a sham, which I kind of find ironic because I would have thought that's kind of the the definition of all of them, all religions. <laughs> so therefore, they've qualified, haven't they? Just on those grounds alone. Um, and they also sort of uh, described it as um, a joke religion when really it's quite clever. It's, it's, it might have some satirical elements, but it's certainly presented in, in a very, and that's the whole point of satire. Satire is not, I mean, satire is not really all just about a joke. It's about presenting ideas in ways and getting people to think about things in a very sort of impactful way. Um, and so they... They recently had a ruling here that, uh, and uh, and I'm trying to recall, I think um, the captain, Tanya Watkins, was looking to get recognition as um, to run an organisation to have it registered, properly registered, so she can act, um, so she can conduct business, and they won't register it in that respect. Um, I don't know, the, sorry, I don't know the technical details for it, but. But it's it's interesting that they should deny it on that fact alone. I guess, I guess if the flying spaghetti church of the flying spaghetti monster had been around for a few hundred years uh, and had a few million followers like the Mormons who've been around for about two hundred years, yeah. that's a different story. So they just haven't been around long enough and don't have enough followers to to qualify. That's it. And uh, but um, yeah, I've sort of followed the uh, church of the flying spaghetti monster since I think. Uh, would have to be over, oh no, probably about well over 10 years. Um, because I've sort of, I think it came out of America when they were trying to deal with creationism in public schools, correct? And those types yeah. of elements. So I think it's yeah, got a lot so of value, play a, a very valued position to, to have. So, does your South Australia driver's license have a picture of you with a, a colander on your head? Not, not me, no. no. <laughs> um, no, but I think there was a couple that have been, I'm not sure if there are some passed interstate now, but they certainly hit the media here when they've had a few over the years. Yeah, that seems to be a, a global thing. It's, it's happening all over the world in different places. So, I mean, it's, yeah. but it's, just, it's, it's just a few people. Countries. Yeah, it's, I don't yeah. think it's very common. It's like, you know, one person out of, you know, every 10 or 100 million is doing it. So it's not a, not a very common thing. It's, it's amusing, but, you know, uh, I understand the irony behind it, but it's, I don't think it's necessarily very constructive. But 
But I think, um, I mean, when you look at the, um, I think they've got the eight, I really wish you didn't, didn't. And if you did read those um, in their gospel, it's, they're really, uh, you know, I really wish you wouldn't, uh, I can't quite, I can't think of them, I haven't got them in front of me, but um, they're, they're good grounds to live by. It's just basically doing the right thing and respecting others and um, not imposing worship on people, um, finding our common humanity. I think they're very much about, you know, our common humanity. Um, another thing recently in Australia, we had only last year we launched the Humanists Australia. So there's lots of humanist organisations in different states Um and we, this has been the first national organisation which the general public can join. So there was the council that united all the individual states, but now we've got a new organisation which individuals can join, and um, that's growing quite rapidly um, and doing really well as another community, I guess, people can connect with when they want to uh, share in their common humanity and... Um, you know, people that are just asking questions and that type of thing. Um, Sounds like that Humanist Australia would be a good, a good organised lobby against this anti-discrimination, religious discrimination bill. Yeah, well, they did join the, um, as new as they were, they, they were part of the Census 21 campaign. Um, so I think having so many free thought groups joining in these campaigns they all bring in resources or they bring in, um, I guess, well-known popular names in Australia or anywhere, you know, to do little video clips like, you know, for example, why I'm uh, a humanist or um, those types of things. So, yeah, it's, it's been it's, – it's quite a, a good um, time at the moment. I think you're seeing a lot more unity um, on these levels – to try and at the end of the day, it's it's people uniting on their common values and trying to promote a better world and um, and and really have freedom. Uh, it, it's not one thing I'm very particular about is it's not anti-religion. It's very much about us just trying to pull back some of the religious privileges out there and asking for equality. Um, so you know, we should be able to um, work for schools and hospitals without a fear of being sacked because of, say, someone's sexuality or that type of thing. Um, so just, yeah, just sharing in our common humanity. Sounds like a worthwhile venture. So Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I wish you guys all the success down there and hopefully you guys can get together and defeat this discrimination bill because uh, it sounds like a terrible idea that religion should be able to freely discriminate more so than they already do. So. Yeah. Well, I think we'll learn hopefully from our Census 21 campaign, which I think was run quite successfully. Um, it really did show how we could combine um, different groups. And they are different, like whether you've got the humanists or the atheists or the rationalists and other groups. Um, they do serve different purposes. Humanism is more about sort of connecting on your sort of um, inner values and promoting sort of communities and things like that, whereas rationalists are a little bit more about lobbying and um, trying to change policy, although humans do that too. Um, and it's, so we can find that commonality and unite and ultimately, um, you know, help make Australia a better place. <laughs> Sounds like a 
sort of throwaway line, but yeah. It's a noble goal. So <laughs> Yeah, it is. Okay. All right. Is there any other topics that uh, you want to discuss or we've, we've covered most um, of the issues that you're dealing with? I'll probably remember as soon as we stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should have mentioned that one and that one. Um, let me think. I've got uh, a range of issues, but um, I think when we get more into the religious discrimination bill, and I can sort of break that down a little bit more that, you know, that might be an opportunity to follow that through. Right. And Well, if it, if it does make it to the floor, we can have you back on on a future show and you can discuss what's going on. Uh, at the time, if it does come back up for for debate in Parliament, and yeah. uh, hopefully it gets de defeated, if it gets passed, well, we'll definitely have some some fodder to digest. Well, I'm I'm I'm, opti I'm a bit of an optimist, um, maybe too much so, but I like to think that if we get the message out there, um, we can you know defeat it. I think yeah. one of the other things, when um, for example, when I was lobbying on prayer in council, we had. Uh, there were certain Christians in the Christian councillors in the room who turned around and said, you know what, you've made some valid points and I agree we shouldn't be pushing our Christian prayer on the whole community. So I think when you have the opportunity to talk to people, even religious people, they you can very often have them, you can present views that they sort of realise that we need to be treated equally and not, not have privilege of one group over another. So it's yeah. more of a it's more of a consciousness raising effort for them because it's probably something they've never actually thought about. It's just, this is, this is the norm. This is how we've always done it. And they've never probably really thought about it um, from that perspective. So, you know, yeah. so, Oh, I hadn't realized. Yeah. And even, um, sorry, I'm starting new topics now, but even uh, religion in schools. So when they come in and they do their religious presentation at Christmas and Easter or other opportunities during in a public school, um, when you try and ask for that to be removed and to be secular, they're sort of going, oh, but what, what values will the kids have? And schools are very progressive now. Schools have all sorts of values stuck all over their walls and, you know, respect and kindness and, and all those types of things. So they're doing a good job of all that. Then. And, and a lot of that, um, you know, you don't necessarily need a religious view. Well, you actually don't. I mean, if you want to have a religious view, you, you can do that in your own time. Um, I personally feel that sometimes, and this isn't to discredit some religious people I know who are lovely people, but I think it limits your ability to have better values because you're sort of a little bit more judging. And mm -hmm. um, Well, you don't see too many humanists, you know, discriminating against homosexuals and women because their religion tells them to. So. Yeah. I mean, lots of religious people, you know, we had in Australia, we had uh, um, uh, Christians for marriage equality. You know, there was like a, a group of, of them. So you can be religious and progressive and inclusive at the same time. But I think the more dominant levels are not necessarily the more dominant groups, the larger groups are sometimes a bit more concerning and shouldn't yeah. reflect on all their followers. True. Yeah. yeah that's, you know, not all Muslims are fanatics. Not all Christians are, are evangelical zealots. So yeah. you, I can't, mean, you can't judge the whole by the worst. Yeah, they could be your plumber, your policeman, your gardener. Yeah, one of your patrons is a Christian, so. Yeah, your local politician. Very yeah. much part of the community, like everyone, I think. 
Well, the, the society seems to be slowly coming together. And Australia seems like, from an outside perspective, Australia seems to be a fairly open-minded and liberal society. So hopefully you guys I think that's the impression see. we give. But when you sort of get down to it, there's quite a range of issues that people just, I would say the majority of people I know, I don't really talk about it with sort of friends and family very much. I only sort of raise the issues if they come up. But most people have no idea that we have religious chaplains in public schools, you know, to the tune of over a billion tax dollars, or that we pray in council and right. church, uh, in yeah, council and... Certainly, certainly a surprise to me, so... Right, so I didn't realise you didn't know that. Yeah. I, I just would have assumed Australia was a much more secular society that didn't do these sort of, you know, Bible Belt American things. Like but that. I can tell you there's plenty of Australians that still don't even realise that we pray in Parliament every time. And it's sort of, yes, yeah, it's bringing that awareness. And I guess that's like anything, if you've got a greater awareness, then you can do something about it. It's very hard to do something about an issue when people just don't have this awareness. So when you're sort of campaigning and going, we want to change this, people go, what? We didn't know you even that even existed. Yeah, so it sounds like you guys are doing some good work to, to, to raise these issues and bring them into the public consciousness so they know what's going on and can raise their voices against it and say this this isn't what we we want in our society. Yeah, because um, I think there's been a lot of noise from um, quite fundamental religious groups at the moment. We've got um, a number in Australia that really do push are really pushing hard for the religious discrimination bill to go through. Um, and, yeah, people don't even realise it's on the book. I would say that the majority of, well, not majority, but quite a number of Australians wouldn't have awareness that it's even on the table. Yeah. And so, so they they'll can't, sneak it through they because they don't know it's there. Yeah, and they can't lobby their MP to vote against it if they don't know it's happening. So True. Okay. Well, I wish you guys all the, the best of luck in, in getting these issues dealt with. So it sounds like you've got a, a bit of an uphill battle in, in raising the awareness, but it sounds like you're on top of things. We have got a lot of work to do, but, um, oh, one big one. We, oh, first of all, we, mar we passed marriage equality a few years ago in Australia, and recently we're progressively, um, it's not, marriage equality is federal, um, but we've got voluntary assisted dying, so euthanasia is another area where that's been progressively now South Australia, where I am, we're the fourth state to pass it only less than a month ago. Um, so that's progressively occurring across Australia. So, and the biggest um, hurdle for those things, your voluntary sister dying and marriage equality were um, not always, but majority of hurdles were the church. So, right. you know, now we've yeah. got those things aboard and it's great. Yeah, I wrote an article on that about uh, one or two years ago uh, on assisted dying. I believe I commented on Australia in my article and how the, the, the reaction from uh, the resistance was mainly from the church who believes in the sanctity of life. Like, well, well who says life is, is sacred? You know, the religion says life is sacred, but, you know, where where's the sacredness in dying and misery and pain? So, yeah. yeah. And both marriage equality and voluntary assisted dying about choices for an individual and choices that need to be sort of protected and be individual rights. Um, it's not affecting other people's lives. If you don't agree with marriage equality, don't marry someone the same gender as you. It's that simple. Yeah. 
If you don't agree with voluntary assisted dying, don't sign up for it if you get a terminal illness. It's that simple. Yeah, it shouldn't don't be more deny Other people have basic human rights. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's not to say you don't need around um, voluntary assisted dying very significantly strong um, sort of legislation and support to make sure it's carried out in a good way. And it also doesn't mean that, because um, sometimes there's an argument that, oh, well, you know, we just need to improve palliative care. Well, we can improve, we need to improve palliative care as well as have voluntary assisted dying. It's not one or the other. So sometimes I've seen the argument put up that, oh, no, 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 let's put our energy into improving palliative care. But um, it doesn't need to be an a, and or, an a or B, or it can be both. Right. Yeah, the, the founder of the, the atheist and skeptical community uh, where I was living, um, he came down with Lou Gehrig's disease uh, within the last five years. I think it was 2017. So he flew back to Canada, which had, had just recently passed an assisted dying law. And he flew back to Canada, I believe, in, in early 2017 because uh, he didn't he didn't want to be a burden to his family. He didn't want to be trapped in his head in, in an immobile body just being a burden to everybody and not being able to move. And so he went back and he, he utilized Canada's assisted dying laws to, to end his life uh, about five years ago. Yeah. So. And it's sad that at a time of need, you can't um, have your family around you or be where you want to be. You have to choose like your friend has done. I think that's what's incredibly sad. Yeah. Well, he um, had his family with him. Like they, they went back. Oh, sorry, to yeah, but his family was with him when he died. But he had the option, at least, to go home, and yeah. and to to take his own life and and end his suffering and and not be a burden on his family to have to take care of him for the next ten to twenty yeah. years. So. Yeah. So where was, was his, his, sorry, his choice? Sorry. Where was he based? Uh, this was in Hong Kong. He he founded yeah. the the skeptics in the pub in the Hong Kong yeah, yeah. society. Sorry. Yeah. So and and he went back to to Canada, and I believe it was twenty seventeen. Um, to, yeah. to end his life so and there's so many so stories least, but he had that he had that option so and I think that was I mean I wouldn't want to be if I was in his shoes I wouldn't want that to suffer either so I think it's it's a humane thing to do to let somebody end their suffering yeah. and not force them to do it because I believe that God has made life sacred I'm going to burn in hell if I if I take my own life it's like that's that's fundamentally inhuman absolutely inhuman um, and if a person individually has that concern, then just they don't have to engage or, you know, utilise voluntary assisted dying. That's that simple. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, thank you for coming on and sharing with us what's going on down there. And I, I wish you the best of luck with all these issues that you're facing and getting the, getting the word out to the, the Australians that a lot of this stuff is happening without their knowledge. And hopefully yeah. that'll mobilize a, a, enough of them to, to speak to their MP that, hey, this is this not acceptable. Yeah. Or we create campaigns for them to easily sign up to. And there's a lot of vehicles out there at the moment to support people that don't have the time for the letter writing. So, okay. Slowly Great. but surely, well, we're getting there. Yeah, it's a it's a slog, that's for sure. So, okay. Well, thanks for coming on, Stella. And uh, anybody, you. if you're if you're in Australia and you want to check out the Rational Society of Australia, we'll put a link in the description for you, and you can contact them and hopefully maybe get involved and and 
and add your voice to the campaign. So thanks, everybody, for watching. And thank you to Stella for coming on. And we'll see everybody next week. Take care, everybody. Thank Bye -bye. you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you. Okay, thanks for listening and don't forget we're on YouTube, so follow us on YouTube, just search for Atheist Alliance International and please subscribe and hit that notification bell. We're also on all of your favourite podcast platforms, so make sure that you follow us on there as well. See you next time.